Today's date is Sunday, January 30th, 2022. We are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 60, beginning with being convinced up to and including page 61, our actor is self-centered through the end of that paragraph. Lori H. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Gillian D. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Lori H., compulsive overeater. Being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to the care, over to God as we understood him. <clears throat> just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? First requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show. He's forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he's most more likely to have varied, various traits, varied traits, excuse me. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. Still, the play doesn't suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things that he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays, He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are sure all would be a utopia if the rest of the world would only behave, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him, and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations are not, most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. Thank you, Lori. All right, and now it's my pleasure to introduce Gillian D, who will be sharing with us this morning um, their experience, strength, and hope. Um, and uh, so, good good morning uh, or good afternoon, Gillian D. Hi, I'm Gillian, compulsive overeater. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm really happy to be here today. And ever since I started coming to this meeting a few months ago, I just um, <clears throat> excuse me, it became my home meeting because I find so much um, inspiration and recovery here. So I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to share today. I wrote down some notes. Um, first, I'll just qualify by saying I joined um, OA 14 years ago 
And just to get the numbers out of the way, I'm 5'1", and when I joined, I wore a size 16. I don't weigh myself, and now I wear a size 8. Um, and one of the key parts of my story is that it took me eight years to get abstinent. I couldn't have even one day without sugar. I just, um, you know, I started with a sponsor moved on to other sponsors. And no matter what I did, I did tons of work that every sponsor told me to do. I went to meetings, I used the tools and I just could not get abstinent. Um, so uh, what I did is I went to regular OA meetings um, in Paris. I live in Paris and there are English language meetings. So I would go, I live in the suburbs. It took me an hour and a half to get to the meetings. and um, I just couldn't get abstinent. And then um, I started going on the phone. I guess it might not have been on Zoom, it was a number of years ago, but to offshoot groups of OA where um, the first group said, the uh, throw away all your OA literature, which I did. They said the AA literature is um, really the backbone of the program and OA you know, you don't have to worry about it. So I tried that. It didn't work. I just tried doing what the different sponsors told me and nothing worked. And so then I quit because um, I figured I can't do this. And so then um, a fellow said, I think your problem, it was two years that I quit. And then a fellow told me that she thought that my problem was not finding the right sponsor because my sponsors were just saying it was my fault. Um, I see I'm not talking about the reading, but I'll just quickly finish this and then I'll talk about the reading. So basically um, I found a new sponsor and she was very surprised that my sponsors blamed me for not getting abstinent for eight years. And basically she offered a lot of compassion and um, that compassion taught me to love myself and to have compassion instead of criticizing myself for these eight years of just being in the food, not losing weight, uh, it just didn't work. So um, getting back, well, getting back to the reading, I really found it to be uh, inspiring. Um, I worked on a step group over the phone since I'm in France, it's a little bit difficult. And this, for 13 months, I worked with a step sponsor in a group um, going through the big book. And I found as I was preparing the section, the notes that I took on that meeting. And basically um, we talked about how um, we turned our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him and how, and it made me think that, I mean, I, I became abstinent. My abstinence is no sugar um, four or five years ago. And basically I think, um, you know, I, came to a point where I did reach a desperate point and I turned my will and my life over to God as I understand him. And I don't just do this one time. I've continued to do this every day because for me, at least it's not automatic. I have to, in the morning when I wake up, I have to just really get my head around the fact, oh yeah, I'm going to say my seventh and third step prayer. And the third step prayer, the notes that I took, um, it said that well, the staff sponsor pointed out, he said that um, when it says, I was convinced, um, 
about the decision, turning the decision over to the, yeah, the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on software will can hardly be a success. And uh, so if I ask myself, am I convinced of that? Yes, I am, but um, it doesn't stay that way all the time. And the other thing that stood out, so I have to keep on going back um, and, and turning myself, my will and my life over to God. The other thing is that that stuck out to me, if only people in my life would do as I wish, the show would be great. And um, I never would have thought of myself as someone like that. Um, and I realized that um, in my life, I'm kind of someone who was pushed around by people more than pushing people around. And so I think, um, you know, for me to think that I'm uh, judging others and want them to run and want uh, to run the show, that didn't really ring a bell for me. And then as I've worked on the steps and um, and worked on the big book and worked with my sponsor, I realized that that is the way that I am. And I wanted to give an example that just happened this week is I've lived in France for 35 years and my mom is turning 95 tomorrow, and I haven't seen her in two and a half years because of COVID. And so I want to visit her. And she called me two days ago and she said, no, you can't, I've made all the arrangements and everything. She said, you can't come, it's too dangerous. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to risk it. I don't want you to risk it. And I said, but mom, you know, I would be masked up, I would have tests. Uh, everyone I know over here in the international community has gone to visit their parents. Well, I didn't even go into that because my mom, you can't really argue with her, but I was, I think I told her when I was telling her I was coming, but she's listening to the news and she just made up her mind. And so my thought is she didn't just make up her mind on her own. Um, I think that this family friend who is her health proxy uh, told her, don't let your daughter visit. And so I've started feeling really angry. You know, this is my mom. I, it could be the last time I would ever see her. And um, the woman, Teresa, who, or my sister, probably is telling her, don't let Gillian visit. And I felt really angry and, um, and, powerless. And uh, so I was basically, um, I want my mom to, to say, fine, visit me. And I want Teresa, her, the health proxy, um, you know, even though I think she's making, I think she's making the wrong decision, but it's, I'm self-centered. I think when I say that I can't stay in the anger, I can't afford to stay in the resentment. Um, but as the reading says, um, I'm concerned with myself, my resentments, and my self-pity. And if I can live in the solution, I can turn my will and life over to God and let my higher power and Teresa's higher power and my mom's higher power, um, you know, move things forward. And I, you know, I've got to let go of the solution and just turn my will and my life over. So I just wanted to tell what I have found the most helpful in my years in program. Um, the abstinence that I've had has been, has given me peace of mind when, you know, I'm not perfectly abstinent, but um, I'm much 
I don't, I haven't eaten sugar in years. And uh, a lot of the remorse and shame has been lifted. And um, so that's the peace of mind is really, really important. Another thing is that um, when I was working at the beginning, I had so many negative thoughts about myself. And so with my sponsor, I made a chart, I guess you can't see it, but on the left hand, it says negative thought and on the right hand, positive affirmation. And I kept this, I stated in 2017 and it's, I kept it in my purse all the time. And um, I'm just gonna give you an example, a few examples from it, which really helped me to uh, just, I have something up on the screen that isn't, I don't know how to get rid of it, but um, so I would say negative thought. I'm so fat and positive affirmation. God is in charge of my weight. My stomach is so huge in that photo. I'm slowly getting thinner and I have a glow of happiness. Um, another thing, let's see, I'm always so tired and the positive affirmation. I'm grateful. I have the energy to do all the things that are important to me. I have remarkably slow recovery. I have strong recovery. OA gives me help. God is healing my mind and body. Positive change keeps unfolding and within me, within and within and around me. So those things were really super helpful. Um, I don't know why I can't get rid of this uh, thing on my screen. Another thing is that every night I do a 10th step well in the morning because I'm a morning person. And it's a chart and I can send it to anyone who's interested. And it's about it's basically a 10th step, but then I added different um, columns, like three things I'm doing right in OA, three things I'm grateful for, three things I did for fun, because I never made fun a priority, three things I love about myself. And that's been super helpful. My, I have a sponsee who I've worked with for years, and she said that really has helped her to love herself. And I just came up with it, I think, because I didn't love myself. And now I do. And now in these positive affirmations and my negative thoughts, I looked at the negative thoughts and I really, there are like 15 of them. And I don't really have those so much. And I can't really say I have them now. And so that's really a miracle. Um, and what else? Um, I've gone down four sizes. I don't weigh myself. Um, I just work really, you know, I work really hard on the program and use the tools, but I think the main important thing is, um, is turning to my higher power. And um, I was told that when I, I went through some horrible times, depression, major, major depression and uh, all kinds of stuff. And the words I was given were to do three things. One is stay in the moment, when things are difficult, don't think about the past and the future. Two, be in gratitude, you know, constantly go back to all the things that I'm grateful for. And three, be of service. And I do that through sponsoring and sharing. And then the other thing that my sponsor told me that I really like is go to where the love is. One thing I've battled with lately is a group of friends who I don't think really like me that much. And I've just kept trying to get their love. And um, I was told, like, they are not the power, you know, go to your power, who is your higher power. And um, that's been incredibly helpful. I have to remind myself of that all the time. And I do have the good fortune of, I um, am married to a man for 
35, 36 years. I have three amazing children. I have really close friends. I don't have zillions of friends, but I do have friends who love and appreciate me like that friend group did not, does not. And um, I think that really in recent months after a terrible year of where I had a lot of depression and COVID totally freaked me out and um, that friend group freaked me up and one of my daughters was really mean to me and I just couldn't cope. And um, I came out through the other side, thanks in a large part to program and a good therapist and antidepressants. And um, now I am kind of automatically going to where the love is and going to the source who is my higher power. And those words just are totally, um, you know, it's just kind of, I don't have to keep it in my pocket the way I did my positive affirmations in 2017. I, um, I've integrated a lot of this stuff and I would never have chosen to go through the difficulties, like having eight years of not being able to get abstinent or having this horrible last year where I, was uh, more depressed than practically ever in my life. Um, but I think that um, for some reason, my higher power, I didn't believe in my higher power when I was going through that, I couldn't understand it. But for whatever re reason, my higher power uh, had me go through that. And now it's reinforced, uh, my recovery in a way because I kind of like uh, went as low as I could. And I don't know, I just now I've, I'm able to turn to my higher power much more than ever before. And it's a day-to-day -day process. I have to, um, you know, turn things over every day. I have to turn my will in my life over every day. I have to remember to be of gratitude, like throughout the day, I have so many miracles in my life. And um, yeah, program has just, I think, done more for me than any, you know, I've always gone for outside help, because I have had a lifelong struggle with depression. And now I feel really great and have, it's, I guess I recovered from this last bad period in September. And, um, you know, I know that program saw me through it, even though in that period, I could hardly relate to program, but I kept coming back. I kept going to meetings and kept in really close touch with my sponsor and my fellows. Um, and I kept being of service. You know, I could hardly sponsor my sponsee. I almost, I did feel she was being of service by meeting with me because I was the one really more in need, but we worked together and now the roles have gotten back to how they used to be. Um, Jillian, you have about five minutes. Thank you so much. Yep. I feel like I'm going to have to put Zoom on my phone because this thing is blocking. I can't see anyone. Let me just see if I can. Oh, okay. Uh, what else can I tell you? Um, how did the weight come off? 40 pounds. Um, after so many years uh, in program, I don't really know. Um, I never weigh myself because that makes me crazy. And um, I just decided I was going to tell how much I weighed by sizes and my weight just started going down. 
Um, I use an approach of intuitive eating. So I basically, you know, uh, just eat in a way that's healthy and I don't follow anything except no sugar. And, um, you know, I eat healthfully and um, I try to, I meditate every day that I can. And I think that's really helpful and try to get exercise and I sponsor. Um, I don't really know how the weight came off. It was a real miracle because getting to a healthy body weight for me, I think is really important um, for my peace of mind. And my sponsor really was behind me on that and that helped me a lot. And um, I've listened to this group of Cherry Hill has really been helpful to me. And I went all the way back to the podcast from 2016 on the, this um, podcast series. And, um, and it was actually Kim talking about people being Debbie Dormat or Betty Bulldozer. And um, that's been like, so revel it's such a revelation to me that I am Debbie Dormat a lot of times with friends, with my kids or with my husband even. And, um, and my mom is certainly Betty Bulldozer. And it's really enabled me to take back my power. And, um, and that feels really good. So I'm just really grateful uh, to be here to share my story for everything that I learn when I come here every Sunday and to be of service. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you for your share, Gil.